As always, a big thank you to Mary Green for her music from her composition Passing Places. And you can find out more about Mary Green on her website, uh, marygreen.com, or if you're on bonnytours.com, you'll find a link on my front page to her website. So, hello and welcome to episode 15 of Passing Places. I say every week it's my personal podcast about my travels around Scotland, usually in a motorhome as it is this week, and hopefully, and I was going to be on a motorbike this week, but hopefully by motorcycle, and with some hill walking thrown in for good measure. Now you join me on Orkney, I'm in Orkney, and uh, it's very late at night and the wind is blowing a gale outside and there's a a heavy downpour of rain every few minutes, so you'll hear that in the background. So I'm here in Orkney, and somehow I managed to take a manic fit when I left Isla on Saturday. I had my brother with me, and we got the ferry back from Isla. And it's a good uh, two-and-a-half-hour journey back down to the Central Belt. And I dropped him off in Dumbarton, and I headed off about nine o'clock in the evening to head north, and I had this idea I would get to Orkney. And I headed off in the van and I grabbed a few hours sleep in the van in Glencoe. And by the afternoon of the uh, the following day, must have been the Sunday, I was parked up just uh, south of Scrap- Scrapster waiting to uh, get the ferry on the Monday. But instead I managed to get a standby ticket for the Pentland ferry Catamaran, which goes from uh, Gills Bay, I think. Gills Bay, the last, the last vehicle on the ferry, and with an audience of maybe thirty or forty people looking over the railings, I had to reverse the van onto the ferry, and uh, that was quite an experience, quite good fun, and so I'm now in Orkney, and I'll tell you all about Orkney in the next uh, few minutes, but I need to, as always, because this whole podcast is about people and there's so many people that are in touch with me that I need to and I want to give a shout out to people that have been in touch with me over the last week or so. So because I've been out and about in the van I've been a bit uh, remiss in mentioning the people that have left iTunes reviews because I haven't had any access to proper Wi-Fi. So let's cover a quick uh, couple of iTunes reviews because they really do help the podcast keep a high profile on the iTunes store and I looked at the iTunes rankings last night on new and new and noteworthy I think is the term under my category which is um, society and culture uh, Passing Places was number one ahead of the BBC World Service History Podcast so I can only thank you for downloading the podcast and for those people that have left reviews. So a quick mention to a few people. Uh, Corio Dave, might have mentioned him already, is uh, motorhomehq.co.uk. I've left a link on my website, and he's out there enjoying his uh, motorhome experience as well. So nip over to his blog and have a good read. Uh, Rick0361, he left a, a nice review for me too, saying he's enjoying the podcast. Fermer Boy. Um, he is enjoying the podcast and he quite uh, rightly in some ways said that uh, travelling around Scotland by motorhome is second only to travelling by motorcycle so 
I really need, I really do need to get out on that uh, motorbike someday soon. Also, a quick mention to Carluke Drew. Uh, he left a review on iTunes and he mentioned the fact that uh, Passing Places is covering the southern parts of Scotland like Dumfries and Galloway. And I do need to get to the borders, so it's not just the islands and the islands as we are this week. And the most recent one was from James Cole, who's uh, my, let's get this right, it's my brother-in-law's brother, and I know that he's over in Portugal just now, and he's just started to listen to Passing Places, and he mentioned the fact that he's enjoying my vicarious journeys around Scotland. So I'll maybe have to look up that word, vicarious. Sounds quite good, though. On Facebook, I'd like to mention a few people. I was talking today on Facebook to Kirsten Easdale, who was asking if I was going off to the Orkney Folk Festival. And when I arrived in Stromness on Sunday night, the campsite was quite uh, clear that I could only stay until Thursday morning because the campsite had been booked for weeks in advance for the Folk Festival. The main centre of the Folk Festival is in Stromness and there are other events in Kirkwall, so I'm getting... Uh, pushed off the campsite in the morning and that's why I'm recording the podcast tonight because I've got Wi-Fi so I'll probably have to well camp the next day or two or head off back to the mainland and I'll tell you more about that as the episode unfolds so thanks Kirsten for getting in touch and talking about the folk festival Russ uh, Aiton who's in New Zealand um, he suggested a visit to St Magnus Cathedral in uh, Kirkwall and it's one of these must-visit uh, places in Orkney. I think it's called the Light in the North. It was founded way back in the Viking days, and it was uh, named in honour of one of the Vikings. And uh, it's called St Magnus Cathedral. It's open to all comers, and you can visit. I think it's free of uh, charge, and there's uh, guided tours of the parts of the cathedral, which are probably by admission fee but uh, I might get to St Magnus tomorrow or before I leave uh, Nick Watt on Facebook he he added a poem about Orkney and it's called Bloody Orkney now he'd come across it uh, he has got connections in Shetland and has visited Shetland a number of times on holiday and he'd seen this poem in a book and I'll give you a quick couple of verses it's uh, very negative about Orkney. But I did a little bit of research online and I think the the poem is accredited to uh, a guy in the Navy. I think he's probably Captain Hamish Blair. And Scapa Flow, which is a huge natural harbour amongst the islands, was a big naval base during the First and Second World War, so... This chap, Hamish Blair, wrote this poem about Orkney. So I'll give you a quick couple of lines and you can get a sense of how he enjoyed his time in Orkney. And it's called Bloody Orkney. And here we go, it's the... This bloody town's a bloody cuss. No bloody trains and no bloody bus. And no one cares for bloody us in bloody Orkney. The bloody roads are bloody bad, the bloody folks are bloody mad. They'd make the brightest bloody sad and bloody Orkney. All bloody clouds and bloody rains, no bloody curbs and no bloody drains. The council's got no bloody brains and bloody Orkney. 
And so it goes on and on and on. And there's a, a there's one verse that I really like, and it's uh, let me find it here. No bloody sport, no bloody games, no bloody fun. The bloody dames won't even give their bloody names in bloody Orkney. Best bloody place is bloody bed, with bloody ice and bloody head. You might as well be bloody dead in bloody Orkney. So as you can hear that wind blowing, I can get some of the sentiment if you're stationed on a ship in Orkney. For a long time you might uh, have your mind set on milder climes. I'd also like to mention Karen Bain, who I think from Ed from Edinburgh, and she's been ticking like on a lot of my posts and my photographs, and I was chatting to her on Facebook this evening, and she was saying that she's got lots of great memories of the north of Scotland, and in particular when she was hill walking with her father. So it's really nice, Karen, that you're in touch and that you're listening to the podcast, and I hope I can keep in touch with you on Facebook. There's another chap, uh, John McDermott, who's a tour guide with Rabbi's Tours. Now, Rabbi's Tours is a, a bus tour company, and I keep seeing their buses all over Scotland. So if you're coming over to Scotland on a budget, then they offer fantastic, uh, really affordable guided tours and a, a small coach. It's usually a 16-seater, so you'll get plenty of one-to-one uh, -one attention, and they travel around Scotland, and they'll organise stopovers and accommodation so check out Rabbi Tours online and I'll leave a link to their website on the show notes and Katrina Young who's a regular contributor she mentioned uh, an event which happens in Kirkwall at uh, Christmas and New Year and I'll maybe cover this in a, another episode if I come up for Christmas or New Year and it's the, I think it's called the the uppies and doonies. It's a it's a it's a ball game where the the locals, if you if you live either side of St Magnus Cathedral, is the traditional way. If you're on the north side, you're called a dooney, and if you live in the south of the cathedral, you're called a an uppie, and it's basically a mad scrum to get this ball from one end of Kirkwall to the other. So. The Doonies have to get the the ball north and get the ball into the, the bay at, uh, in the water at Kirtwall Bay and the other side have to get the ball south to a particular wall at the south end of the town. So apparently it's, a, it's an amazing event. And many years ago I visited a similar event in Leicester. Not in Leicester, but in Leicestershire in a, in a village they had this... Uh, amazing spectacle of two villages fighting over this I think it was a small barrel and it went on for hours and hours and then so it's one of these traditions that you'll find across uh, Scotland and England and maybe beyond so if you're ever up in Orkney for Christmas or New Year then there's some free sport for you to watch So I hope I haven't missed MD out in terms of uh, iTunes reviews and Facebook comments and there's other people on Twitter too. I'll need to dig into my Twitter feed and mention a few people next week. And I say every week I'd love to hear from people on 
the free voicemail service on my website and I've got uh, a voicemail this week from Simon Thomas from the Lake District. Now can you hear that rain and the wind? It's uh, it's wild outside just now. So I've got this uh, voicemail from Simon Thomas and I'll let you hear what he's got to say. Hi there, this is Simon from the Lake District. Yeah, just a message really to say thanks for all the uh, podcasts that, we've, that you've done that I've listened to anyway. They've found them quite inspiring. Um, we are due to build a camper van um, for our little family this year. Um, a young little boy of two and our dog, so it's going to be tailor-made for our needs. And I look forward to hearing some of your stories about your van and where you get to and all the services that you you find that are useful to you in certainly Scotland because we're in the Lake District as I say we're not too far away from you and it, it's just such a beautiful place to explore which we're hoping to uh, crack on with later on this year stroke beginning next year and we've got a big tour up in France hopefully or down in France um, for about a month um, as we're going to try and follow some of the Tour de France um, in 2014 so yeah just looking looking forward to all your next podcasts and uh, Nice to hear uh, me giving myself a mention and uh, keep all the good work. So thanks Simon for that uh, voicemail. It is really fantastic when people get in touch. And I don't know if you have a, a website that you plan to do a website or if you're on Facebook or Twitter, but it'd be great to keep in touch with your progress and getting your van sorted and getting out there and getting off to different parts of the UK or your plans for getting over to France so please please keep in touch and thank you again for listening and thanks for the voicemail so a final shout out is to anybody who's listening internationally I was checking my downloads yesterday and the podcast has been downloaded in at the moment 47 different countries so I've had some feedback from people in the UK and from Australia and New Zealand and from America so if you're listening to passing places in your in a country somewhere out there, then please just drop me a line. You can try the voicemail on bonnytours.com or find me on Facebook at uh, Passing Places Podcast or at Bonnie Tours on Twitter. But it'd be great to hear from somebody who's in a different part of the world. So please get in touch. So I stopped recording at that point for the rest of the evening because the weather was just getting so bad. So much noise from the rain and the wind. But probably the main reason was uh, I'd picked up a bottle of the Botanist Gin on Isla. Now, as I said in episode 14, Isla is famous for its malt whiskies, but it also makes this amazing gin. Uh, the Brucladich Distillery makes a gin on Isla. And I think gin might have half a dozen different uh, aromatics or herbs or things added to it. But the Isla Gin has 22 different plants that are added from the island of Isla. And I hadn't really noticed on the bottle. It's quite expensive to buy, but uh, it turned out it was 46% alcohol. And at some point when I was, uh, you probably heard it towards the end of the last section, I suddenly realised I was getting quite drunk. So I decided to... Uh, 
quit and uh, I'm now back online and uh, it's much quieter. I'm taking the, the chance here with a little lull in the weather to um, try and finish off this section. So let's get uh, stuck into Orkney. Now, I've always wanted to visit Orkney. I've lived in the Highlands in the past for 10 years, but I'd never, I just never managed for various reasons to jump on that ferry and come over to Orkney. So I took a, a chance. I got a standby ticket on the Sunday night and uh, I was second on the standby list and I sat and waited at uh, six, half past six in the evening and watched dozens and dozens of cars being loaded onto the ferry. And eventually the guy who was first in standby was waved to come on and then <laughs> I was quite surprised the guy waved me too. And the last half a dozen vehicles or so, they leave them to the end and they're normally the bigger, higher vehicles. So they reverse them on. It's a catamaran ferry and it only has one access on and off. So the cars are all parked and almost like a U-shaped round the, the boat. And then in the middle, they reverse on the higher vehicle. So I was last on and I had the whole ferry as an audience to watch me reversing down the ramp into the space that was almost exactly the size of the van. So that went quite well, which was a bit surprising, but uh, I've uh, decided that uh, I'm going to have to get used to reversing vans if I'm going to be going to some of these uh, smaller islands. So I came over on the ferry and it was a fantastic uh, sunny evening. And the thing that struck me on Orkney, or on the way into Orkney, you get a view of some of the islands. I have this general notion that the further north you go, the more heather and bog you're going to come across. The browner the place is going to be, and the higher the mountains are going to be. And to some extent that's true. When you get to Caithness, there's uh, less hills and, and more bog. But in fairness, when you get to the, the coastline of uh, Caithness, there's some really fertile land as well. So as I was coming over on the ferry, the thing that struck me was just the lighting was amazing and everywhere I looked at Orkney was all these islands which are relatively flat but a really really uh, bright green and a very very strong blue sky and a, a very deep blue sea and a huge sky because the islands are relatively flat most of them there's a uh, the island of Hoy's got a couple of bigger hills on it but you just get this huge big sky experience but all uh, blue and green everywhere you look I couldn't really see much brown at all and that was a big surprise I hadn't really been prepared for that I'd been on Lewis and Harris where there is a lot of peat and uh, a lot of bog and a lot of browns and in fairness the the Uists and down into Barra you get some much more fertile uh, green landscapes uh, Tyree sticks my mind as a really lovely island and I would have to add Isla to that list as well and yet just across the five minute crossing from Isla you've got Jura which is a you know has the paps of Jura the big hills and it's a very brown looking island a lot of heather and uh, a lot of bog and peat so but that was the big surprise on the way over and I got off at uh, St Margaret's Hope which is in South Ronaldsey and you've probably heard of the Churchill Barriers which were put together in the early part of the Second World War to help protect the 
the major sea area between the islands called Scapa Flow, which is a natural harbour, and it protected that uh, east side of the Scapa Flow, and it joins um, South Ronaldsey to Bury, and then on to mainland Orkney. So I came up over the first off the ferry, which is the benefit of being last on, and I was way ahead of the, the crowds of cars trying to manoeuvre off that little catamaran ferry. And I came straight through to straight through uh, Kirkwall, which is the capital, and headed for Stromness. And there's a council-run campsite in Stromness, and I was that busy looking at the the village or the town that I I, I missed the little sign for the campsite, which is signposted up the hill and round the back of the town. And I drove the van right through the town centre. Now, by town centre, I mean lots and lots of little cottages and two-storey buildings all huddled together with one single vehicle width road which is often made of uh, paving slabs and it just meanders forever through Stromness and the further I get into this the more I thought this is going to end in disaster if I thought reversing onto the ferry was bad I'm going to have to reverse all the way back through Stromness because I'm going to come to a dead end but it went, as I say, it seemed to go on forever. I, I came out the other side and I wasn't that far from the campsite, which is round the, the bay, looking back into Stromness. And facilities were good. And what can I tell you about the the rest of the week? I mean, I'll give you some idea of the things I, I managed to visit, but the the enduring memory, rather than all those green fields and blue sky, was that for every day... From the moment I woke up on the Monday, I had really strong winds and all sorts of weather thrown at me from hailstones to torrential rain to bright sunshine. And it changed sometimes in the matter of 10-15 minutes. So on the Monday, I sat tight because the wind was so strong and it was fog throughout the day, a deep fog right across the bay. And the visibility was down to a couple hundred metres. And I thought, well, I'm not going to see anything if I take the van out. I'm going to get probably tipped over somewhere in a strong wind on one of these Churchill Barrier uh, causeway uh, stages. Or if I go around the islands, I'm not going to see anything. So I actually had a quiet day, sat in the van for most of the day, walked the dog a few times. But on the Tuesday, I headed up to, uh, still on the mainland, I headed up to Scarabray. Scarabray is a, 
a cluster of ten houses. It's one of these. It's the best preserved um, Neolithic site in Northern Europe, I believe. And I remember reading about it in school as a kid, and I've always wanted to visit. Uh, I think back in around about 1850, there was one of these big storms in Orkney, something that uh, had a magnitude far higher than I'd uh, experienced the day before. And on this particular beach, the sand dunes had been almost completely stripped, and an entire set of houses, and I mean stone furniture, stone walls, the houses were completely, almost intact, minus the roofs. And it's a place, if you're interested in early history, you really, really should visit Scarabray. It predates almost every other structure that you can imagine, including the pyramids, the Great Wall of China, the Colosseum, the, and so it goes on. I mean, I'm not very good with my timeline here, but it really it goes back to 3,000 years uh, BC when these houses were inhabited. So I spent uh, a few hours wandering around uh, Scarabray. I got stung for £7.50 for the privilege because the Historic Scotland sell you a joint ticket. There's a house next door which was owned by, I presume, quite a wealthy family in Orkney and Scarabray happened to be on their doorstep and on their land. So you're, just the whole tour is promoted as visit the house of the man who discovered and investigated Scarabray. So I had a quick dart round the house and it was mainly um, left and furnished in the, the way it was in the 1950s. But Scarabray was the real reason for going. And after Scarabray, just uh, 10 minutes down the road, you come to the Ring of Brodger, which is one of these really large Neolithic stone circles and about 100 metres in diameter something like 60 or 70 stones. I think about half of them are, are actually missing. But uh, it's quite impressive. Nothing of the scale or completeness of uh, Stonehenge down in Wiltshire, but still a really uh, a really um, good place to visit. And the Ring of Brodgar has become even more significant in the last few years because they've discovered a, a huge archaeological site uh, directly, uh, maybe half a mile down the road, at Nessa Brodger. And that's, if I'm honest, that's probably the main reason I wanted to go to Orkney this time, was to see the Nessa Brodger, because it's uh, it's only been partially excavated in the last uh, couple of years. But as it turned out, the excavations don't start until, I think, July. So I didn't manage to get a chance to see anything of the Nessa Brodger. But from memory, I saw a documentary a, a year or two ago, and uh, it appears that the Nessa Brodker is going to prove that the civilization that was around in Orkney at that time, and you can back to two or three thousand BC, was very sophisticated. This complex that they're uncovering is a not only a range of houses, but there's very clearly some form of uh, temple um, structure, and the finds that are being uncovered in Ness of Brodker proved that the Orkney um, civilization was the one that uh, influenced and in many ways was uh, primary to places like Stonehenge and that Stonehenge and other places 
were outposts of the Orkney civilization. So it sort of turns the geography on its head. Now, again, that's me talking from memory and I really need to study that in more detail. And I was hoping to, to do that on Orkney, but uh, I was faced with a site that was probably, if you had a quick look at it, was maybe a couple of thousand black bin bags which had been put over the excavation, so that was a little bit of a disappointment. So after that day, the, the weather, as I say, didn't really let up in terms of the wind, and I didn't really get much done at all in terms of getting out and about. I, I discounted the staying for the festival because I had the dog, and a big white van and a dog isn't the best way to go to a, a gig or to... Uh, visit one of these festivals. I couldn't really leave the dog in the van and some of these pubs are quite dog friendly but if there's a whole group of people at a festival and they're in to watch some good musicians they don't want a Jack Russell yelping every time they stand in his paws and probably Skid would be a bit freaked out by it as well so uh, I would love to go back uh, in a different situation and uh, enjoy the festival maybe in the next year or two. Now, Orkney is a, a whole archipelago of islands. I think there's 70-odd islands and about 20 of them are inhabited. And again, many of them are quite small and there's all sorts of ferries and flights running between them. And I think it's an ideal place to go on a bicycle or on a motorbike or even by car, but to have the dog in the van, to, to manoeuvre the van onto these small ferries and arrive on an island that's three or four miles wide with a small road and one or two uh, archaeological sites and a, a nice beach. It's uh, it's quite uh, time intensive and the weather wasn't right for it and so I, I feel as if I've only really just uh, started tackling the first uh, layer of the onion really because I really only managed the mainland and on my way back down towards um, the ferry at uh, St Margaret's Hope on the way back I'd seen it on the way through, but the one of the obvious and famous places to visit in Orkney is the what they call the Italian Chapel. When they decided to build the the barriers to protect the fleet during the Second World War, they needed a huge um, labour force because there was a, a tremendous amount of uh, stone and concrete to, to uh, fabricate and to put in place to make the barriers. And obviously the young men at the time were desperately needed in the war effort. So the solution came about with the capture of uh, Italian prisoners of war. And I think it's, I don't know exactly, but it's illegal, I think, to have forced labour uh, when you're dealing with prisoners of war, certainly in terms of the war effort. So the Italians, I think, were quite rightly reluctant to assist in the beginning, but uh, it's described on the and the Churchill barriers, when you read the, the notices, there's the whole history of the construction, that a lot of diplomacy was employed. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but a fair bit of diplomacy, and the argument that seemed to win the day was that it wasn't about necessarily the war effort, it was about this would have a lasting benefit to the islands because it would allow the islands to be South Ronaldsey and Bury and the mainland to be connected together. And that seemed to have swung it for the Italians and they carried out a, a lot of the, the work in constructing the Churchill barriers. 
but the Italian chapel is a is a, a really interesting place to visit. It's a couple of uh, Nissen huts, and with a lot of um, almost craft work at the level of being artisan. Some of these prisoners of war had fantastic skills in uh, art and in metalwork and in construction, and they've managed to create a, a church which looks in many respects the the real thing in terms of stone when in reality it's plasterboard and paint and I'll put a couple of uh, pictures on my website but it's become a very very um, memorable um, memorial to the role the Italians played in putting together the causeways across two or three of the islands in Orkney and the chapel itself is is really fantastic what they managed to put together. So if you ever do get up to um, Orkney, make sure you visit the Italian chapel. And as I say, I'll put a couple of photographs on the Facebook page as well as my website. So I was planning to... I had to be uh, turfed off the campsite on Thursday morning because the site had been booked weeks in advance for the Orkney festival. The main venue is Stromness. And I thought, well, I'll welcome for a few days and then I'll come back or I'll, I'll try something else. But I'd completely forgotten that I'd made a, an arrangement to meet some friends who are walking the West Highland Way uh, the week at, well, next week. And I'd said that I would catch up with them at, at one of the evenings and have a few drinks. So when I started uh, checking my texts and things, I realised that uh, they were starting the West Highland Way on Friday. And sorry, on Thursday, and that uh, I had to get back down if I was going to catch up with them. So that gave me almost the incentive to recognise that I'd come up to Orkney a bit ill-prepared, hadn't really done my homework, and whilst it was great to get there, I really need to give it some thought before I go back the next time. So again, I managed to get uh, a standby ticket, and I was second again on the standby for the ferry. And the ferry was due to leave on the Thursday evening. So I agreed online I would take, or on the phone, that I would take the ticket. As I came down towards the Churchill Barriers, the wind was blowing the van all over the, the road. And they have these signs, uh, cross the barrier at your own risk. So I pulled over and I thought, this is silly. If I get over to the mainland, I'm, I'm going to be half seven, eight o'clock at night. I'm going to need a campsite anyway. So I pulled into a little toilet area and a parking area and I phoned the ferry company and said, look, forget the standby ticket. Put me on the first ferry in the morning at uh, 7.45. So that's my plan, is to uh, jump on the ferry and head back down and I'll be back in Orkney uh, one day soon. So I'm going to head over in the, the ferry tomorrow and I'll that'll give me two one overnight, it'll give me an extra night to get down to uh, Bridge of Orkey. I'm due to meet some friends down in uh, not Bridge of Orkey but very near. There's a hotel if you if you know the Bridge of Orkey Hotel, there's a if you're heading north, there's a little road that takes you left and goes round the side of the hill and you arrive at the Inverorn Hotel. It's a, a dead-end road, but it's a nice little hotel, and I think it sometimes it's closed for renovation, but it closes, I think, during the winter. 
but that's uh, one of their overnight stops on the West Highland Way. So my plan is to pitch up at the hotel and have a, a good evening in the bar and a good catch-up and uh, sleep in the van outside. So that's what my plan is from here. And I'll maybe call this episode to a close, but uh, I need to apologise for it being uh, delayed, uh, mainly because of a lack of access to Wi-Fi. And I'll be back, maybe back on schedule next week. And uh, in the meantime, as I say, catch up with me on Twitter at uh, Bonnie Tours. Find me at uh, bonnietours.com or nip on to Facebook and type in Passing Places Podcast. And uh, maybe one day soon I'll catch up with you on your travels around Scotland. In the meantime, stay safe and thanks for listening. <laughs>